I'd like to invite you to turn back over to the book of First Peter. We've spent quite a bit of time in this, uh, in this book the last uh, couple of services, uh, beginning a week ago uh, at, and, and continuing that same thought this morning in the first chapter of Peter, uh, where we have seen that Peter is uh, drawing the minds of, of the, the recipients of this letter to their identity, who you are and what that means for you. And he's, he's informed them about how they are pilgrims and they are the elect, the chosen of God and the hope that they have been born to. Uh, and as we looked at this morning, it is a hope that is, that is to be rested, that is to be firm in the, the grace of God, not to be resting in our righteousness, not to be resting in, in our ability, but to be resting in the power and might uh, of God who protects us, who reserves our inheritance uh, and who raised Jesus from the dead. And I want to continue uh, this look and, and kind of wrap this series up that we've been looking at by jumping ahead to the end of the chapter. So if you'll turn over to 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, and we will fast forward to the close of this letter. Uh, in this epistle, which he wrote to, to Christians who are undergoing severe persecution, persecution, who are undergoing immense trials, Peter closes this, this book on a positive note. Read, read with me verses 10 through 14. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 10 through 14. But may the God of all grace who calls us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Sylvanius, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. She who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greets you, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. No matter how terrible, no matter how severe the trials that they are facing, Peter wants these Christians to know they can always have hope. That's kind of the, the nutshell of his book. The bookends of this first epistle revolve around the hope of those who belong to God. And in these last few verses of the epistle, Peter offers uh, several things. He offers the blessings and praises to God in verses 10 through 11. A brief summary in verse 12, and then these words of greetings in verse 13, followed by a command to love and a prayer for peace in verse 14. And it's in this collage of, of remarks as he closes this book that we find several reasons why Christians can always be hopeful in the midst of terrible trials. The first thing that we find that he brings to our minds, found there in verse 10, is the grace of God. And he describes Him as the God of all grace. And in fact, if, if you look back to 1 Peter chapter 4, in verse 10, he has described Him this way more than once. He says there, as each one of us has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Maybe that's not a word that we think about a whole lot. Manifold. You know, when I think of manifold, I hear, I hear engine parts. I, I think of my exhaust. I think... Of, of, of vehicles. And, and the way a manifold works in your vehicles, it takes many things, many exhaust ports and, uh, ports and brings them down to one. Well, when we think of the manifold grace of God, we, we should visualize something similar to that. It is the varying 
graces of God, the various gifts of God. And it's important that he describes him that way in chapter 4, verse 10, saying that those who have received a gift minister it as stewards of the manifold, the varying graces of God. It's important because, because as His graces are varied, He provides for us various gifts that are what, exactly what are needed under various circumstances. When you look over to Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4, and verse, uh, let's look at verse 16. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. In a time of need, uh, my time of need might be very different than your time of need. My time of need might be remarkably different than someone's time of need overseas in a country that has different rights than us. My time of need might be very different than in someone here in our own community that has that has a much different living circumstance than us. But the God of varying or manifold grace that provides various gifts provides for us in various ways in our times of need. And He calls us to minister in such a way. But He gives us everything that we need. He provides us no matter what the circumstances are what is necessary for us through His grace. And we stand in the true grace of God. As Peter says in, uh, in verse 12 of 1 Peter chapter 5, as he's closing this up, our salvation is because of His grace. He opened his letter up with that in 1 Peter 1 verse 10, and those who have tasted of the Lord's, uh, of the Lord's grace are those who have been saved. If you look in 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 3. Uh, he says, starting in verse 1, "...lay aside all malicious, or all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious." <coughs> Excuse me. "...with the knowledge that by remaining faithful to Christ..." with the knowledge that we stand in the grace of God, we can take comfort knowing that the God of all grace, the God of manifold grace, is with us in every way that we need Him. And that leads us to another comforting thought, is that if He is with us now, how much more so will He be with us as we are going to glory? Verse 10, He continued to say, <coughs> excuse me, uh, in 1 Peter 5, verse 10, that, we are called to His eternal glory. This is the purpose of our calling. To receive the glory that awaits us. The glory involves the inheritance that He talked about in chapter 1. The, the incorruptible and undefiled inheritance that is reserved for us in heaven. And this road to glory, it may not be exactly what we think it should be. In fact, for these Christians here, they were finding out that it was not what they expected it to be. It was involving suffering. We talked about that in, in, in our class this morning about the call, uh, the, the upward call of God that Paul talked, talked about in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14. That call to Paul was a call that involved him sacrificing everything that he had talked about in those previous passages, making them rubbish. It was a call that brought him to being flogged and, and, and whipped 
to being enduring the, the trials of wild animals and shipwrecks and, and traveling far from home. And, and all of this was going on because of this calling. And we are called to an eternal glory, but the road to that glory sometimes involves suffering. And Peter doesn't want that suffering to take the art and the eyes of these Christians away from the hope that they are uh, given to endure through that. And, and we would be reminded that that's no different than the experiences of our Savior. Flip back over to Luke chapter 24. Luke 24 and verse 26. <clears throat> starting there, actually starting verse 5, 25, he says, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? Now, if it's Christ that we say that we are following, if it's Christ that we are, are walking in His footsteps to be found as His brethren, to stand before the throne of God and around the throne of God with Him, ought we not to walk in the same way that He walked? And if His walk carried Him through sufferings, should we not expect that to happen to us as well? In fact, we can look forward to participating in His glory, as Peter talks about in 1 Peter chapter 4, if we are willing to suffer. He says there in verse 13, Rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. And if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, He is blasphemed, but on your part, He is glorified. So knowing what lies ahead, knowing that suffering is something we should expect if we are going to follow in the footsteps of Christ. We should expect that there will come times in our life where it will be difficult. We should expect there will be times in our life where it will be strenuous. But we press on, as Paul talked about and we discussed in class. We look on to the glory that awaits us with hope. And what I hope that that brings in our mind then is the difference between the end result of glory and the current result of suffering. Because suffering is temporary. He goes on to say in verse 10, after you have suffered for a while. Earlier in 1 Peter chapter 1, in verse 6, he said, he said this as well, and this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. I think Peter is trying to paint a picture here of the suffering that these Christians were going through and needing them to see that this suffering wasn't going to last forever. And yet he contrasts that when, when we read about the glory. The glory that we are called to. The glory that we are looking forward to is not suffering for a little while worth it to receive glory for eternity. I believe Paul thought so. I believe Paul thought it was worth it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in verse 16, he said, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Paul's message that Peter was, was bringing to these Christians, the, the same message that Paul would have brought was to say, don't look at the things that are going on around you. Don't look at the suffering that you're going on as something that has no end. Look at the glory that awaits. Look at your hope and continue to keep your eyes focused on the inheritance. But not only can we remain hopeful knowing that our suffering is temporary, 
Not only can we remain helpful knowing that our suffering is replaced by glory that is eternal, but in the meantime, while we endure suffering, we can know that it also comes with a blessing. And that's what he wraps up verse 10 with. Right after telling them that the suffering is just for a while, he goes on to say that there are blessings that come with it. Number one is God will perfect. Now the word that he uses there, it means to equip something, to make something uh, capable of, 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 of surviving, of accomplishing its goal, to equip or to adjust or even to fit together like puzzles going together. God will perfect his people using several tools. One is the Word of God. We read about that in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16-17. through 17, as He says that the Word of God is breathed by God, <clears throat> but it is useful for giving the Christian what they need. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. You could say that the man of God may be perfect. The same word that, that, that Peter used here in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. So that they can have what they need. So that we can have what we need to be hopeful. To have a hope that changes our lives. We also saw in the Ephesian class when we were studying through Ephesians that God has given gifts to the church to do this very same thing. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11-16. through 16. <clears throat> he says, There he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine but uh, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into Him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Paul is telling the Ephesians the same thing that Peter is talking about here. That God has given gifts to the church. God is giving things to the church that are setting the church up to become perfect. And when he says perfect, again, he's talking about mature. He's talking about equipped. He's talking about able to stand. And one of those tools, along with the Word of God, and along with the, the, the gifts that he has given the church, one of those tools, ironically, is suffering. In Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 4, it says not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Say glory and suffering, knowing that tribulations produce perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Whenever we go through sufferings, whenever we experience trials and tribulations, I want you to remember. That God can use these things. God can work through these circumstances to build our hope, to strengthen our hope, to rest our hope in Him. And James tells us in James chapter 1, in verse 2, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. <clears throat> but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing if any of you lacks wisdom. 
Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Wisdom is seeing the end from the beginning. Wisdom is looking ahead to see. You know, whenever, whenever I was younger, we used to play with toys, and, and, uh, and, and me and Derek would, one of a, a very short lived pastime was to melt our army men. We just thought that was really cool to melt our army men. I didn't see the end from the beginning because while I was holding the army man out in front of me and mom and dad showed up, I said, blow it out. And he was across the table from me. And he blew it all over me. And I got melting plastic all over my hands and burnt really bad. That wasn't very wise. You hear that, boys? It wasn't very wise. It was foolish. And so I don't want you all to do it. I don't want any of you all to do that. But I didn't see the end from the beginning. Here... James is saying you got to see the end from the beginning. When you're experiencing suffering and trials and tribulation, see the end from the beginning. And if you don't see that, if you don't see that the end of this is to make you more perfect, to make you more mature in Christ and to strengthen your hope, pray to God. Ask Him to help you to see that how is this going to build and strengthen my hope. He goes on to say not only is this for your perfection, back over in Peter, 1 Peter 5 verse 10, <clears throat> not only is it for your, uh, your perfection, but it's also for your establishment so that you'll be fixed firmly, so that you'll be set fast is the word that he uses there. Christians need to be steadfast in our faith. 1 Peter 5.9 talks about that just right before we, we started reading. He says, resist him, steadfast in the truth, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood, your brotherhood in the world. And we see Paul talking about our need for us to be steadfast. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we need to be fixed. And through our sufferings, we need to be allowing God to establish us, to plant our feet and to anchor us. Through persecution often comes the prospect of, of steadfastness. Whenever we endure suffering, whenever we are battered and whenever we are, we are beaten, whenever we're pressing on, as we talked about in class this morning, for the cause of Christ, and we come through that, it's not likely that we're going to be led away from the truth by that again. We've experienced it. And we know that we can get through it. And we know that other people can get through it too. Not only are we being established, but we can help to establish other people. Then he goes on to say that God will strengthen you to make us stronger. This is the normal consequence of enduring trial. That is the, the purpose of, of weightlifting, of strength training, is to suffer the muscles of the body, to put them through strenuous tests and trial to the point where they almost break so that when they rebuild and when they regrow, they are stronger. And then he says that he will settle us. <coughs> this is to say that he will lay a foundation for us. The Lord would have us to be solid. The Lord desires for His people to not be shifting on the sand as the foolish man, but to be like that wise man who built his house on a rock. And Peter seems to be confident for those who remain faithful through suffering that God will bless them in the four ways that he's listed here in verse 10. And we can have confidence too. We can have a confident hope knowing that we have God's grace, that we are going to glory, that our suffering is temporary and our suffering is filling us with blessings. And it's with that confidence that he closes this whole letter. He closes it with this collection of greetings from Silvanus, who, who most believe, and maybe even your translations have Silas uh, recorded in there. He was a traveling companion of Paul. He greets him. 
He, he talks about the one who, or the, says she who is in Babylon. It is uh, a, a likely a, a reference to a congregation, whether in the physical location of Babylon, which would have been somewhere near Iraq, but more likely, or maybe in the, the, from the church that was in Rome. And then he goes on to talk about Mark, his son, John Mark, the nephew of Barnabas and the author of the Gospel of Mark. And then he gives this exhortation, closing his letter. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Through all of this, through everything that's going on in them, he's reminding them they're not alone. They're dealing with, with things that, are, that there's people that are, that are dealing with the same things that they have dealt with, the people that have gone through the same sufferings and things, trials that they have gone through. But don't give up. Don't give up on our hope. Don't give up on our love. And don't give up on the peace for those who are in Christ Jesus. I pray that the example of Peter's confidence and Peter's hope, as well as his actual teachings found throughout his epistle, will serve to help us to remain full of hope during our sojourn as pilgrims of God. In 1 Peter 5, verse 11, he, he really ends the things that he has to say with this phrase, To Him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. He focuses the mind of the reader as he ends all of this back to where all of our attention needs to be. In the midst of trial, and maybe more importantly, in the lack of trial, in the midst of calm and peaceful seasons, to God be the glory. And it is to us that Jesus offers that glory. What a thought. What a thought that we could receive glory at the coming of the Lord. It's made available to those who love Him. Love Him enough to believe and love Him enough to be confident. Love Him enough to have that hope swelling in them that they can be saved. That they can have an eternity, an inheritance with God. He will do that for all who believe and all who come to Him in faithful obedience. And I want you to know that we want to assist you with that this evening. If there's some way that we can do so, I encourage you, won't you please let it be known as we stand and sing.